Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 through 11, and Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. Please stand for the reading of God's word. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a coat the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the message of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea, the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Today marks the beginning of Holy Week and Palm Sunday, and what a joy to have the children of our church here in worship and this morning, I'm going to need all of your help. And if we are all God's children, so that means you can be included as well. 
The sermon this morning is about Palm Sunday, about Jesus' triumphal procession on the beginning of Holy Week and how that triumphal procession continues. So kids, if you can just look at me for just a moment, I'm going to tell you, and you can help the adults with this as well, I'm going to tell you right up front the point of this sermon. It's three things. It's that Jesus directs us where we to go. Can you do that? Jesus directs us where we're to go. And adults, you can do that as well. Jesus directs us where we are to go. The second thing I want you to know from these passages is that we need the Old Testament to understand Jesus. Can you say that? We need the Old Testament to understand Jesus. Now, some of your moms and dads might not realize that three-quarters of the Bible is the Old Testament. That's most of it. So we need the Old Testament. And so when we get to that point, when I say we need... I want you to say the Old Testament. And if there's a Bible around you, you can just lift it up. So the first point is this. Jesus directs us where we are to go. We need the Old Testament to understand Jesus. And the third point I want you to know is to listen for the questions around you and answer the question with Jesus. The answer to the question is Jesus. So listen for the question around you, and the answer to the question is Jesus. All right, I think we have it. Let's try it robust. You're really going to have to help me. We have a lot to cover in a short time. Jesus directs us where we are to go. We need the to understand Jesus, and the answer to the question is Jesus. That's it. Now, I could sit down. And that'd be the end of the service. But actually, we have more to talk about from the scriptures. We have two texts before us, and they illustrate both of them, these three great truths that help direct our lives. The first of them is Matthew 21. It tells us that Jesus came to Jerusalem. He approached the city and came past the Mount of Olives. It's a beautiful place, the Mount of Olives. As you approach Jerusalem, you see the city walls up on the side. They're very high, separating the city of Jerusalem, the walled city, from the Mount of Olives is the Kidron Valley. And it's in this valley that's filled with olive trees, and some of these olive trees are very old, hundreds of years old, some say even a thousand years old. And this is the place that we know in Holy Week as the Garden of Gethsemane was on this this place. Jesus came toward the city, and here it is. He directs his disciples where they should go. And he tells them in Matthew 21 to go to the village ahead of you, and you will find a donkey tied there. Untie them and bring them to me, Jesus tells his disciples. He says, if anyone asks you anything, say that the Lord has need of them and he will send them right away. This is a side application for the adults. If if Jesus asks for anything that you have for his use, the simple answer adults is you give it to him. Okay? He asks for a donkey, a donkey to be brought, that he has need of this and he sends his disciples, illustrating our first great truth that Jesus directs us where we are to go. They go and they will find it just as he describes. Jesus has a great design on sending him in this way. Matthew tells us that this takes place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And our second great truth is we need the 
That didn't seem full of conviction. Let's try that again. We need the to, to understand Jesus. And the scriptures point this out. Say to daughter Zion, behold, your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey. Why does Jesus request a donkey as his royal mount? It's a fulfillment of scriptures. Isaiah 62, 11, speak to daughter Zion. Zechariah 9, 9, your king comes to you. Why would Jesus come to the city mounted on a donkey? There's several good reasons. One, we might think, and you can check out our donkey if you look out the window. All donkeys have a fur-shaped cross on them. Have you ever noticed that? All donkeys have a cross of fur on the top. And it's a fitting mount for Jesus comes into the city and he's headed to the cross. Donkeys, however, in the ancient world are the ride of kings. They are the Mercedes-Benz of the ancient world. They are the stylish ride of kings. The Old Testament tells us that Jair the Gileadite had 30 sons who ruled 30 cities and they rode on 30 donkeys. The donkey is a fitting royal mount because the other mount that people might take would be a war horse. And you see, if a real king comes to you and one comes in a Mercedes-Benz limousine and the other comes in a tank, you would wonder, who's the true king? You see, false kings, fake kings, need to take their throne with the violence of the war horse, but the real king strolls into the city, mounted on the donkey. King David left the city of Jerusalem in 2 Samuel on a donkey, and Zechariah 9 imagines that great day when the true king, uh, the son of David, the true king of Israel, would return, and he would be mounted upon a donkey showing us that his kingship is real, it's legitimate. Zechariah 9 says that when the true king comes, he will come in peace and gentleness, and that he will take away the war horse from Jerusalem, and he will break the battle bow, and he will proclaim peace to the nations, and his rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. And Jesus Friends, brothers, sisters, children of our church, Jesus Christ came to fulfill this hope. We need the Old Testament to understand Jesus, to know who he is and who he claimed to be, the true king of God's people. Well, the crowds came out in huge numbers to see him. They understood his claim. They spread their cloaks on the road. They cut branches from the trees and spread them, waving palm branches Someone in the Middle Ages who went to Jerusalem on pilgrimage to celebrate and retrace the footsteps of Jesus was given the name Palmer. And this is where my family name comes from and it's very important to me. They came and cut palm branches and they waved them and they signaled to the people around, this is the true king of God's people. The crowd shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. The real king, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna is a Hebrew word. It's in Hebrew, it's hoshiah na. It's the same root meaning, yasha, to save. 
where we get the name Jesus from. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Hoshiana means Lord save us. And so as Jesus rides into the city, he is proclaimed the real king, son of David. God come to save. And just as we know that Jesus directs us where we're to go, as we know that we need the to understand him, in the end we have to listen for the question and answer, the answer to the question is You see the crowds of Jerusalem were stirred. Matthew uses the word like it was an earthquake, a seismic encounter. When people asked, the city was stirred up and they asked this question, who is this? Who is this? And when you listen for the real questions in this world around us, the answer to those questions, it's Jesus. They say this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus is our king. He is our savior. He is our prophet, the one who speaks the very words of God. And so now we turn to our second passage. Our second text illustrates the same great truths for us. They show us that Jesus' triumphal procession on Palm Sunday continues in the world. For Acts 8 is after Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus extending his kingdom in the world. And so we read in Acts 8.26 that an angel of the Lord sent from Jesus himself speaks to Philip, one of Jesus' followers, and he does what Jesus does. And that is that Jesus directs us where we are to go. He tells Philip, go south to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's about 40 miles from Jerusalem to Gaza, 60 kilometers He even tells Philip what road to take. And Luke tells us it's a desert road. This looks like a hard road, doesn't it? To take for 40 miles. Only one tree. A desert road. Not much water between Jerusalem and Gaza. And yet Jesus tells his followers where they are to go. He directs them and Philip goes. He starts off on the way and on the desert road he meets an Ethiopian eunuch. Moms and dads, I'm going to leave you to explain this feature of the text at home in an age-appropriate way. He is an official of the queen of the Ethiopians. The title Kandake is Ethiopian for queen. And this man has a high position in the society and we learn that this Ethiopian man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. An Ethiopian official. Jesus directs his followers where they are to go. And he, Philip, meets this man. He had gone to Jerusalem for the feast to celebrate. He was riding home in his chariot, or maybe better, wagon. Luke uses the word for wagon. These wagons were drawn often by a pair of oxen. And so we should imagine the Ethiopian traveling slowly back to his home after celebrating the feast in Jerusalem. The Spirit of God told Philip, go up to that chariot or that wagon and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot. 
It's not that he was just blazing through the wilderness, but he was on a steady walk back home. And when Philip reached this man, he discovered that he was reading the scriptures. He was reading the word of God, but without understanding. Philip was invited up to sit with this Ethiopian man. He looked at the passage he was reading, and as he looked down, He saw and he heard the Ethiopian. He was reading one of the great portions of the scripture, Isaiah 53. You see, brothers and sisters, children of our church, we need the Old Testament to understand Jesus. And this man is reading the Old Testament and he's reading Isaiah 53. Isaiah had said 600 years before Palm Sunday That this lamb of God would come, that he would be led like a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. And Isaiah describes the servant of the Lord as a suffering servant. In his humiliation, he's deprived of justice. His life is taken from the earth. And the figure of Isaiah 53 is both a royal figure and a suffering figure. And we see that this coming king achieves his greatest victory by suffering and dying for his people. Oh, how great is the Lord Jesus. A suffering king, a dying king, come to save his people. Well, now we listen for the question. We listen for the question of the eunuch, and we know, because Pastor David told us, the answer to the question is Jesus. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, tell me, would you? Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and he told him the good news about Jesus. Philip told him the good news about Jesus, that Jesus is not only the promised son of David, that he is not only the coming king to come into this world to save, but he tells us, brothers and sisters, how Jesus saves. That Jesus saves by taking the sin of the world, the sin of God's own people, and placing it upon his shoulders and dying on the cross of Calvary. And we remember these events this week. These are the greatest events of all time. This is the good news about Jesus. That he is both the promised king, the son of David. That he fulfills the hope of the Old Testament. And that he saves us by dying on our behalf. Philip told him the answer to his question. And the answer to the question, brothers and sisters, is Jesus. Well, they traveled this desert road for a while and God opened this Ethiopian eunuch's heart to faith. He's the first believer from the southern part of Africa. Herodotus calls Ethiopia the last men of the world. Not in status, but just in geography. And God opens his heart and he believes what I long for all of us to believe I long for all of us to believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of the scriptures, that he is the promised king, that he directs us where we should go, he fulfills the Old Testament, and that he saves us by dying for our sins. 
These are the truths of Holy Week. And this Ethiopian eunuch, this leading official of his country, believes. And he sees water, probably a rare moment on that desert road. And he asks Philip, is there anything that would prevent me from being baptized? Moms and dads, I'll tell you that a eunuch in antiquity was unable to fully convert to Judaism. Not possible to enter. This man could only come so far as a God-fearer. And now he asks Philip, can I be fully received into God's family with the covenant sign of baptism? And Philip says, there's nothing that prevents you. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you repent and believe you are a full member of God's people. And Philip and the eunuch go into the water. He is baptized. And when they come out of the water, the spirit of the Lord leads Philip away. The eunuch does not see him, but he goes on his way rejoicing. This is just one more example of how Jesus directs us where we are to go. Philip goes to Azotus and comes all the way up the coast preaching the gospel to seize all the way to Caesarea. Holy Week is the week where we remember who Jesus really is, what he came to do. These truths hold the Christian faith up and support our proclamation to the world. The application of the sermon is just what we said at the beginning and it's to live in this way. If you're in a place of confusion or uncertain where to go, hear the word of God this morning that Jesus directs us where we are to go. If you don't fully understand who Jesus is, know this morning that we need to be people of the word of God because the Old Testament helps us understand Jesus. And lastly, we need to listen for the questions in the hearts of people around us and to answer those questions with Jesus. I had a teacher several years ago, a professor, a very learned person, and he taught a class. It was not a class filled with Christians. He looked out at this class and he said, who has the best story in the world? And this class of university and graduate students panicked. They didn't want to look foolish. He asked them, who has the best story in the world? Blank stares. Thousands of tuition dollars fading into oblivion in that moment. Who has the best story in the world, he asked again. And he finally answered those blank stares. He said, Christianity has the best story in the world. Who has a story like Christians that God would come and die for the sins of his people? No one has a story like that. This morning, brothers and sisters, let these truths fill your hearts so that we can end on the note that the texts end. Both texts end with a note of joy. The crowds signaling, this is 
he who's come to fulfill the ancient promise. The Ethiopian goes on his way rejoicing. And that's our summons now. Would you stand together? We're gonna sing, holy is the Lord, a note of great joy. Lord Jesus, we bow our heads and our hearts before you now. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you direct us where we are to go in this world. And I pray, Lord, if anyone is here this morning in a place of uncertainty or confusion, that you would direct him or her where they should go. Lord, this morning, if the identity of Jesus is unclear to anyone, would you open the word of God to us? For we need your word, Lord, to understand your beloved son. Lord Jesus, I pray for us that you would fill us with a holy boldness to hear the questions around us and to answer those questions to the best of our ability that the answer is Jesus. Lord, fill our hearts with joy this morning, the joy of Holy Week. And Lord, we stand together in your presence. We lift our hands. Your joy is our strength. Lord Jesus, you are great and you are awesome. And we praise you this morning in Jesus' name, amen.